Well, good morning, Redeemer Church. Well, we have a new president. Praise God, we have the same king. Peter O'Brien was a little boy who grew up in a non-Christian home. And by that I mean he had two parents who did not believe the gospel or trust in Jesus for salvation. Peter's parents didn't read Bible stories at bedtime. They didn't pray to Jesus at the dinner table. His home was a Christless home. But the O'Briens had a neighbor who was a very sweet and simple lady who suffered significantly from an incurable disease. This lady was a Christian. And for years, she lived beautifully, suffered significantly, and witnessed courageously to the O'Brien family. After many years of observing her life and being personally impacted by this lady's love, Peter's mother put her faith in Jesus Christ. And over a period of time, through witnessing the example and testimony of his mother, Peter put his faith in Jesus Christ and became a servant of our Lord at age 19. He went on to seminary at Moore Theological College where he received uh, his Master of Divinity and then went on to the University of Manchester and received his Ph.D., he then traveled to India and advanced the gospel in India for years. He ultimately moved to Australia, and for decades there, he has taught the scriptures, he has preached the gospel, he has trained pastors, he has written many great commentaries on New Testament books that thousands of pastors and teachers have read, including yours truly. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people have been converted and or mobilized for gospel ministry through Peter O'Brien's gospel labors. The gospel has advanced in some way on every continent in the world through his ministry. But I want to back up to the beginning of the story. If somebody would have told that dear, suffering, simple Christian lady... If you just live beautifully and suffer significantly and testify courageously for Jesus Christ, then thousands of people all over the globe will hear about Jesus and many of them will be saved. Will you do that? She would say, yes, of course I would do that. But the thing is this. Nobody told her that and she did it anyway. She lived beautifully. She suffered significantly. She witnessed courageously. Why? Because that's what Christians do. We live for God's glory. We suffer many times significantly. We testify powerfully of the gospel of Jesus. And we trust God. Listen to me. We trust God to advance His kingdom however He sees fit, with whomever He sees fit. That's what we do. Or at least that's what we're called to do. We live beautifully. We suffer sometimes significantly, and we testify courageously. You know, I'm sure that lady's dead now because Peter's in his 80s. And I have no idea if, if there's been a conversation between the Apostle Paul and this lady. But if there has been, 
I kind of have a feeling that he gave her a high five when he saw her. And he probably said something like, that's what I'm talking about. No, specifically, I mean, that's what I was talking about in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. <laughs> All right? That, 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 that's what he's talking about here. So, church, before we look down at the text, this is what I want to tell you. This is the life that God is calling you to. The life that God is calling you to is to live beautifully before the world. To suffer through trials and tribulations and troubles and to witness about the gospel with great courage and with great boldness wherever you are, to whomever you're with for the advancement of his gospel. That is the force of verses 12 through 18 and that is God's call on our lives as believers. And so if you don't already have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 1. I encourage you to do so right now. The title of the message is to know Him through proclaiming Him. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. I want you to keep your eyes on the text. And I want to read it again. And I want you to look for what are the primary actions in this text. And what is the content of those actions? What are the primary actions in this text and what is the content of those actions? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. And in that, I rejoice. So church, I want to ask you, what are the primary actions that are going on in this passage? Abigail, the proclamation of Christ. I could not say it better myself. Look at verse 12. He says, advance the gospel. Verse 14, speak the word. Verse 15, preach 
Christ. Verse 16, defend the gospel. Verse 17, proclaim Christ. Verse 18, proclaim Christ. All of these words have the same concept. It is the proclamation, the preaching, the declaration, the witnessing of Jesus Christ. Notice that the the content of those actions is the gospel, the word, Christ, the gospel, Christ, Christ. They're all essentially interchangeable. When you're preaching Christ, you're preaching the gospel. When you're preaching the word, you're preaching Christ. When you're preaching, uh, it's all interchangeable. It's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as it is found in the word of God. And that is the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul. And that's why he shares with the Philippians this very message. You see, the Philippians are concerned for Paul. And he's been through a lot. Man, he's he's been beaten He's been whipped. He's been shipwrecked. He's experienced um, the persecution of the leaders of his empire. Even though he's a citizen, they've not treated him as a citizen. They have essentially treated him as a slave and have thrown him into this prison. And who knows what his, his future is. They are concerned. They love him. They're worried about him. They have great anxiety for him. And then he writes verses 12 through 18 to talk about how he's doing. And what does he talk about? He talks about proclaiming Christ, advancing the gospel, sharing the word. He takes the divine perspective. And this this church is what I want to tell you. And and Braden, you can put it up on the screen. This is the idea, the big idea. This is what Paul is saying. I'm rejoicing in the midst of my suffering for one exhilarating reason. The gospel is advancing through the public proclamation of Jesus Christ. I'm rejoicing. Why am I rejoicing? You're asking how I'm doing. You're concerned for me. You have anxiety over me. You're you're, you're just really, you're afraid it might not end well with me. And I just want you to know, relax. I rejoice because the gospel is advanced because people are declaring the message about Jesus Christ. That's it right there. And so let's just walk through the text a little bit here because I want you to see I want you to see how Paul reveals four realities in the preaching of Christ. He, he reveals four realities in the preaching of Christ and the first thing that he reveals is the goal of preaching Christ. The goal. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, I've got a question. Why do people write letters? Why do people write letters? The answer to that question is to communicate information. Okay? It's in order for the people who aren't in the know to be in the know once they receive this information. Like, my insurance company wrote me a letter a couple of months ago and gave me information. Your premiums are going up significantly starting in January. I was not in the know. Now I became in the know. All right, a friend who emailed you last week just to catch up with you and to tell them about your life. They were processing, uh, they were communicating information that they wanted you to be in the know. Church, 
Paul is writing this letter so that they will be in the know, so that he can communicate information that they don't know, so that they can know. And yet, he starts off this verse somewhat redundantly and says, I want you to know. Like, Paul, we, the letter is about us knowing stuff. All right? And yet now you're telling us you want us to know. So red flag should be going off here. What is Paul saying? He's saying this is really, really important. Like this is significant. I want you to know. Yes, I'm writing to you. So all of this I want you to know. But I really, really want you to know that you're concerned about me. You're worried about me. You've heard that things aren't going well. Yeah, all that's true. But I want you to know I'm taking the divine perspective and I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome because the gospel of Jesus Christ is being advanced and nothing is more important to me in my life and in my circumstances than that very thing. The gospel advancement is my top priority, Paul is saying. Now, I think the most interesting word in this verse is advancement advancement. It was originally used of workers who would would cut a path out for an army, for a military. They would go into the woods and they would chop trees down and they would get bushes out of the way and they would make a path for a military to then come through that path and take over a region or a land in order to conquer that land with their military might. That's how the word advancement was originally used. And so when we think about the gospel being advanced, what we're saying is, and what Paul is saying is, is that the gospel is cutting a path so that Jesus Christ can come in as the conquering glorious king and conquer people's hearts and conquer people's lives so that he can transfer them from the domain of darkness into the domain of light, into the, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light so that he will have his kingdom in here in Rome. And so this is my goal, Paul would say. My goal of the preaching of Christ is the gospel would be advanced. It will will take force. It will take might. It will take rule and reign in this region. That's his goal. Let's second look at the growth, the growth of preaching Christ. It's just so that it's become known throughout the imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment Is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Keep your eyes on the text. What's going on here? Literally, Paul has these Roman guards who are coming in and out of this house that he is under house arrest, and he is sharing the gospel with the Roman imperial guard, the praetorium in the Greek. It is this group, of, there are thousands of these guys in Rome, and Paul is being diligent and faithful to share the gospel with these men. And these men are so impacted by it that they're telling their fellow soldiers, they're telling their fellow guards. And word is spreading through that whole praetorium group of men, this guy is something else. If you get a chance to be shackled to him for 12 hours, you should go do it. It's really interesting. 
Like, I can't decide whether he's crazy or he truly has just this divine spirit about him, but I've never met anybody like him. And what's happening is not only are the Praetorian Guard hearing about this, but apparently they're going home and telling their wives or telling their kids because Roman citizens and Roman slaves and other people in the imperial court are hearing about this because he says all the rest are understanding that my imprisonment is for Christ. What does that mean is for Christ? This is what it means. He's saying, I love Christ. And because I love Christ, I preach Christ. And because I preach Christ, I'm I'm suffering for Christ. And I'm sharing in His sufferings. And I am now glorifying Christ through my sufferings. My imprisonment is for Christ due to my love for Him, due to my uh, standing for Him, and due to my proclamation of Him. And then he says, most of the brothers... That means brothers and sisters, men and women who love Jesus. They are becoming more and more bold to speak the word without fear. That phrase, without fear, in the Greek, aphobos. Aphobos. The preposition a meaning no. Phobos is where we get our word phobia. He's saying... There's no fear in them. There's no, they're not scared to death. They're excited. They're passionate. They're bold. And wherever they go, they are declaring Jesus Christ from the rooftops because they've seen my boldness. They've seen my courage. They've seen my faithfulness. They've seen my zeal. And every single day, there is an avalanche that is growing. There is a momentum that is building whereby they're going throughout Rome and declaring Jesus Christ to citizens and slaves and visitors and family members. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter who they're with. The gospel is advancing through their proclamation as they look at me, give witness to him in my circumstances. Church, let's let's remind ourselves. This is the Apostle Paul, the most influential, powerful Christian missionary that lives on planet earth at this time. And instead of being in Italy where he might, or instead of being in Spain where he might have wanted to be, or instead of going on a a fourth missionary journey or something like that, where does Paul find himself? In Rome, in prison. He's in prison. And he could be tempted, just like you and I might be tempted to say, man, my circumstances are stifling me. My situation is preventing me from advancing the gospel. Lord, would you deliver me so that I can go and do what you've called me to do so that I can fulfill my calling? Paul didn't feel stifled. Paul didn't feel like somehow God was blocking him from his his calling in life. Paul leveraged his circumstances to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ and he was thankful for it and he rejoiced in it. We can learn from that. The growth of preaching Christ happens as he leverages his situation to advance the gospel and Christians around him see his boldness, see his courage, and they say, you know what, we're going to be like him. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have the same courage that Paul has. I do want to say this, church. Paul was a contagious Christian. He's contagious. Like if you were just around him, you, you just got an excitement about Jesus. 
I had a professor like this in seminary. His name was Professor Alex Montoya. He was Hispanic. He oozed gospel excitement and gospel zeal. And every time I went to his class, I got more excited about preaching Christ. Jamie and I visited his church. It was Hispanic, Spanish-speaking church one time. Didn't even know what was all being sung and said, but we still were thrilled because they were excited about Jesus. You remember that, Jamie, in Monterey Park? And, and, and it was just so exciting to be around Professor Montoya because he, there was a contagiousness about him that rubbed off on me that made me excited about Christ. I just want to say, church, I just want to say, God calls us all to be contagious Christians. And so I want to ask you, if, if you're contagious, what's being worn off on other people? Like, if I'm around you for a couple of hours, what am I going to catch? What am I going to catch? If you're around me for a couple of hours, what are you going to catch from me? You see, the growth of the gospel and the advancement of it, because Paul is a contagious Christian and the full steam ahead is being taken with the Christians in Rome. Let's now look at the groups who preach Christ. This is a very, very interesting and even somewhat troubling uh, circumstance that Paul finds himself in. Because there's two groups who are preaching Christ. There's this greedy group and there's this generous group. Let's look at the, let's look at the greedy group. He says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. He says, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. They don't proclaim him sincerely, but they want to afflict me in my imprisonment. Man, what is going on here? They're greedy. Like they're envious of Paul's renown. They're envious of the, of the reputation that he's gained with the Roman elite. He, they're, 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 they're rivals. They want what Paul has. And so they're hoping that in their proclamation of Christ, somehow Paul will receive greater suffering. He will receive greater persecution and maybe even possibly death so that he'll get to the wayside and so their ministry can be elevated. I want to read to you uh, a, a version of Scripture, a translation of Scripture that I don't know that I've ever quoted from, from, the, uh, from the pulpit. It's the message by Eugene Peterson. And uh, the reason I'm going to quote it is because I think he captures the idea here. Listen, listen to Eugene Peterson's interpretive translation of these three verses. It's true that some here preach Christ because with, with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But the others do it with the best heart in the world. One group's motivated by pure love, knowing that I'm here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition, and so the, the words it goes for me, or the worse it goes for me, the better for them. So how am I to respond? I decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether they're mixed or bad or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed, so I just cheer them on. What a, what a perspective. 
And so you got this greedy group who is trying to get an upper hand so that their face is the one that people will look to, that their renown is the one that people will see, that somehow they'll get an upper hand and people will admire them and respect them and be in awe of them. But then the second group is this generous group. And they, they're just excited about the gospel and they're inspired by the example of the Apostle Paul and it says that they are motivated by love. By love. Agape love. It's love for God. It's love for Paul. It's love for the people of Rome. But the reality is this, is that they see this faithful, loyal apostle. They, they originally could not believe his fidelity to Jesus Christ in the midst of such suffering, in the midst of such difficulty. But the more and more they have been around him, the more contagious he has become. And so they go out and they proclaim Christ to honor God, to honor Paul, and to win souls to Jesus. They're doing it out of love, out of goodwill out of good pleasure, out of a desire to see Jesus Christ praised. And so you've got this greedy group over here and this generous group over here, and they're both preaching the same message. And Paul says, you know, um, I have one heartbeat in my life, and that is to advance the gospel of Jesus. It is to tear down the trees, to get the bushes out of the way, to forge a path so that the King of Kings can come ushering in and conquer people's hearts for the good. That's my heartbeat. And so whether people are doing that because they just really love Jesus and they really love me, or whether they're doing it because they really love themselves and are greedy for self-glory, regardless, I'm just excited that Christ is advancing. I'm excited that the message is going forth because the power is in the message, not in the messenger. And so those are the groups who preach Christ. And Paul says, the message is greater than, it is more significant than the messengers themselves, those two groups. And so what do we see finally? We see the gladness of preaching Christ. He says, what then? How am I to respond? What am I supposed to do? He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, and in that, and in that, I rejoice. I celebrate. There is this inner delight of my soul that makes me jump up. Well, if I could, if I wasn't chained to this Roman, this Roman guard, but I would jump up and I would celebrate that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. Who He is and what He's done and how He's conquered death and conquered sin and conquered Satan and conquered darkness and conquered eternal hell by dying and rising from the dead and exalting into heaven and mediating on our behalf and one day returning for those who trust in Him. That's what people are preaching and I rejoice in that. Because church, this is the thing. You and I need to get a little perspective. Sometimes we, we get so locked in walking through the forest of our life that we, we stop at a tree and we're at this tree for a while and we examine the bark on the tree and we look at it and we get so close and we get a, a microscope to that bark and we're looking at the color of it and the, the discoloration, the wear. And we get so focused in on this one part of this one tree in this one part of the forest. 
when what we need to do is we need to back up away from that tree. We need to keep going and keep going until we can see not just the tree, but the entire forest. Because this is the thing. We can get so focused on our little lives and our little concerns and our little issues and our problematic toenail and all of these little, little things that we lose grasp of the fact that our life is but a mist, that it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And what we do with this little bit has to do with the forest, which is eternity. Like our lives, our lives, guys, are, are like this. And eternity just stretches all the way across this room and beyond. And we need to see the forest. And the forest is this, is that for an eternity, there will be people in heaven who are glorifying Christ, embodying His character, enjoying His presence. And in eternity, there will also be a group of people who are in hell, suffering from the wrath of God because they did not trust in Jesus. And what we do with this mist depends on what happens for all of eternity. And we get so locked in on our little things that we lose sight of the most important thing in the world. What's the most important thing in the world? It is the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he rejoices. He says, I'm going to rejoice. Now, I was not particularly excited when we gave a report a couple of Wednesday nights ago about a young lady who came to Christ through uh, Lauren Haynes' ministry. The crowd seemed subdued when we shared about how this young woman had come to Christ. But then when we shared, I think last week, I shared from the pulpit, others coming to Christ, man, there was just a lot of excitement. And I, I praise God for that. But this is what I want to say, is that we need to get our hearts, our minds, and our focus to such a place that the gospel being advanced is our heartbeat so that when we hear that it's being proclaimed, we rejoice. When we hear that somebody gets saved by the proclamation of Christ, we celebrate. Hallelujahs go out. Shouting, screaming. The gospel has gone forward today. People have been saved. God is doing His work. He's building His kingdom. That's why we're here. We're a part of it. Praise His name. That's where we need to get to in our lives. But often we're not there. We don't resonate with it because we are examining the piece of bark on that one tree. And so I have one prayer. I've been praying this and preparing for this message. Braden, if you put that on the screen, this, is, this has been my prayer. I pray that the gospel would be advanced through the proclamation of Christ by the members of Redeemer Church. As a response to this text, that's my one prayer. I pray that the gospel will be advanced through the proclamation of Christ by the, the members of Redeemer Church. And I have, in my study notes, written down y'all's names. And I have put a dash by your names. And I wrote down the ways in which I know you're advancing the gospel. 
the ways in which you've shared with me that you are proclaiming Christ with coworkers or neighbors or family members or official ministries. I've written down things that I think you're doing that I might not even fully know. And I am praying that Christ will be proclaimed through your lips as you're doing that. I mean, I've got you. I've been praying for you guys. And I just want you to know that I could call every one of you by name. And I could call every one of you how I know or I think that you're that you're trying to advance the gospel. And I praise God that you're doing it. And I'm just asking God to give you continued boldness, continued courage, continued insight so that you can do that faithfully. Now, there's one, one principle. You're welcome. One principle that I want us to absolutely know. Church, every time Christ has preached, the gospel is advanced. Every time Christ is preached, the gospel is advanced. And when the gospel is advanced, we can rejoice. Did anybody preach the gospel this week to somebody? Anybody? All right. Um, could you just, you don't have to say specifics, but could you just give a little bit of information about who did? Yeah. Mm, mm. So, in your testimony of pointing her, her toward a community of faith where the gospel is central, you're letting her know that there is, there's protection, there's love, and there's grace to be found inside the community of Christ and hope. That's right. That's good. The gospel was advanced by you doing that. Like, trees were knocked down. Bushes were cut away. Christ had an opportunity to, to move in to that area because you spoke a word about Jesus Christ. And in that I rejoice, D.C. I rejoice in that. And I think I see the Heiches over here maybe had an opportunity as well. And whatever it was, I rejoice in that, Chris. I rejoice in the opportunity. Do you want to give witness about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God, Chris. And, and you know, that's exactly what Paul would say. Paul would say, leverage every relationship 
every stewardship, everything in your life to advance the gospel, and you leveraged Rembrandt <laughs> to advance the gospel of Jesus in your home. Praise His name. Congratulations, Joey. We rejoice with you, brother. <laughs> All right. So if I have one prayer, one principle, I have one application, church. This is what, this is what I, I believe the force of the text calls us to, and that is preach Christ. Preach Him. Proclaim Him. Declare Him. Use your words to share with people how beautiful Christ is. How are we doing on time? I've kind of lost way. We okay? Okay. Um, I want to just talk a few things through, okay? So, when I ask the question, what does God want us to know from this passage? This is the answer, the primary answer that I came up with. God has sovereignly and specifically put you where you are to advance the gospel. God has sovereignly and specifically put you where you are to advance the gospel. Ronald and Kim, God has sovereignly and specifically put you on top of that hill in that neighborhood to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has put you in that classroom with those children that you know by name to advance the gospel. You've got to know it, you've got to believe it, and you've got to leverage that opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ. Okay? Your family is no accident. Your job is no accident. Your neighbors are no accident. This community is no accident. God has sovereignly and specifically put you and us where we are to leverage for the glory of Christ by proclaiming His name. No accident. No coincidence. It's not random. All right, that's what He wants you to know. Now, what does He want you to feel? Feel less jealousy and envy of other Christians and more excitement and joy whenever the gospel advances. Feel less jealousy and envy of other Christians and more excitement and joy when the gospel advances. And I, I want to tell you, church, that I've had a privilege for a, a decade now to have a group of pastors that I meet with and pray with and worship with and, and eat, break bread together and we cry together and pray together. And it is, it's beautiful. It's sweet. I just want you to know, I mean, it's Ron Haygood and Cody Hale and Bob St. John and Carlton Weathers and Anthony Cook and Steve Mays and Phil Moser and so many others. I, I, there's just a lot of guys that I meet with. Of course, Ron and Ben and all the other guys here, but I just mean around, not in this church. And it's beautiful. But I will also say that I have had the opportunity to be among pastors and pastors' meetings and pastors' gatherings that basically just made me want to vomit. Because in the gathering, it was all about bragging about how many baptisms how many new members, the new wing that's being 
added, the, the success that's being had, the awards that are being won. And I just want you to know, it didn't make me want to vomit because I was jealous of them. It made me want to vomit because I was upset that they were using the gospel of Jesus Christ to leverage for their own glory. Like, my relationship with Cody Hale, pastor out at Iron City. Man, I remember when Cody came to Christ as like a 13-year-old. I was working with FCA, and, and he came down for this watermelon cut that I, that, I, that I was doing at White Plains, and his youth pastor introduced me to him, and he was 13, and here I am in my mid-20s, and, and he... He grows in the grace and, and knowledge of Jesus Christ and he gets excited and gets these jobs. And, and I think Cody's like 29 or 30 now and he has now taken over at Iron City Baptist Church and there are four or 500 people there today and he's declaring the gospel and that church is growing and he is laboring on behalf of the gospel. And I just want you to know, here I am, been in the ministry 10, 12 years more than him, have more experience, graduated from seminary and everything else. I just want you to know, I am not jealous of that guy. I'm not envious of him. I don't even want what he's got. I pray for him. I love him. And I want him to succeed. And I want the gospel to be advanced. And I want more uh, baptisms to occur. And I want more people to join because I know that when he succeeds with the advancement of the gospel, we succeed. And we succeed because the gospel is being advanced. Trees are being knocked down. Bushes are being... Christ is coming in and he is proving himself strong. How can I not rejoice over that? Envy and rivalry and competition and all of these kinds of things. Church, it's that greedy spirit that is rooted not in the glory of Christ, but in the glory of who? Self. The glory of self. We must do everything that we can to root out a spirit of competition, a spirit of, of envy and jealousy, and only long for one thing, the glory of Christ and His proclamation. I want to say two more things. If you want to think about applications, and I've given you the one, preach Christ. This is, this is what you need to do. You need to immerse yourself in the gospel. You need to learn the gospel. You need to love the gospel. You need to speak the gospel. You need to preach the gospel. You need to defend the gospel. You need to leverage every situation, every relationship you have to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Learn it, believe it, love it, speak it, preach it, defend it, and leverage your circumstances to advance the gospel. And so this is, this is the final question. The title of the message is To Know Him through proclaiming Him. And so if Paul's chief aim is that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and share in the fellowship of His sufferings so that I may be conformed even to the likeness of Him. Like if that's His passion, to know Him, and we ask the question, how is it that proclaiming Christ will help us know Christ? I want to answer that question with an illustration. Recently, I was with a friend who had not been around my family in a while, and they asked me, my friend, he asked me, 
how's Jamie doing? And I said, oh man, um, she's doing great. She's got the boys started back in school for the second semester and she, they're working on their science projects and their math and their English and all the while they're preparing for this milk cow to come in and she's been um, fixing some things down at the barn in order to that to happen and she's leading these devotions out of New Morning Mercies for the boys every day and they're growing in an understanding of what real grace is and then she's, she cooks my breakfast every day. She serves me great, but she's, she's doing great. She's got this going and that going and the more I talk, about my wife, number one, I was surprised by all the things that she does. But second, the more I talked about her, the more I was like, wow, that's really incredible all the things she does. And the more affection I started to have for my wife as I articulated to somebody else about her. Make the connection with me. When you proclaim Christ and you share about His beauty, His work, His love, Phil. His infinite love for sinners that while you were dead and, and depraved and dark in your thoughts and your ideas and He loved you in spite of yourself and He loved you all the way to the cross, the more you talk about Him, the more you love Him, the more affection you have for Him the more you say, man, that's pretty incredible, the more you know Him. And that's why I believe I can say, the more you keep your mouth shut about Jesus, the less you can really know Him. But the more you talk about Him, the more you sing His praise and you declare His glory, the more you'll find your heart being united with His heart and the more in love with Jesus Christ you'll find yourself every single day. To know Him by proclaiming Him. Amen.